Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this episode, our guests are Mark Cabrera, Managing Director and Co-Head of Oppenheimer's Healthcare Investment Banking Team, and Rishi Sony, Executive Director focused on healthcare technology. And our host is Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking of Oppenheimer. This episode was recorded on May 23, 2023. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to our episode to talk about the collision of healthcare delivery into the digital world. I'm your host, Jane Ross, and we're here with Mark Cabrera and Rishi Sony of Oppenheimer. Since the time when COVID invaded the healthcare market, technology and AI have continued to infiltrate many aspects of how healthcare is delivered and how consumers engage with their own care. And the hope is that these innovations will drive better outcomes as well as investment opportunities. So we're here to try and decipher the brave new world of digital health, and we've got the right two guys to do so. Mark Cabrera is the managing director and co-head of Oppenheimer's healthcare investment banking team. He's closed more than 150 transactions with a variety of healthcare providers over a three-decade-long career. Rishi Sony is an executive director focused on healthcare technology, so he works with companies ranging from high-growth startups to large public companies in the healthcare space. Okay, well, let's begin. Mark, I'll start with you. Technology is very much now in the middle of healthcare delivery, and hopefully this is going to result in improvements in care and outcomes. So can you start and talk about some of the major themes and innovations with how we got here? Jane, I'd be happy to. I've been in the industry, as you mentioned, for three decades. And what strikes me is how robust and dynamic technology is impacting healthcare today. For a very long period of time, technology wasn't really part of the discussion. And then probably starting in the late 2000s with the conversion to electronic health records, we effectively saw technology really supporting what effectively was enterprise-wide data capture. I think what's happening today is really exciting. Tech is actually leveraging the delivery of care and how care is best delivered. And I, I have a couple of examples. One is patient monitoring. The FDA back in 2018 approved Apple Watch's heart monitor, which was a two-lead AKG. More recently, the FDA approved Apple's iPhone upgrade, which included monitoring of things like atrial fibrillation. There are a lot of devices now that can be put into a home, into a nursing home, that's just one really exciting area that leverages uh, what's today an overworked clinical workforce in allowing them to continue to monitor chronic care and acute care patients. Another area that we're seeing this is what I call like dispersed care, or virtual delivery of care, apps that are being used to leverage lay people or patients themselves. A good example might be something like Tidal Care, 
which is an FDA approved kit nap. You can actually buy it at Best Buy. I have one at home because I've got kids. And if one of my kids uh, presents with an earache or looks to be not feeling well, I don't have to actually go to the pediatrician. I can log on with my pediatrician virtually, do some of the diagnostics in my home using the kit and typically get a diagnosis and a prescription for antibiotics or something like that. Where we're also seeing the infiltration of technology are in just analytics about better care. One of our clients has a very large kidney care group. They serve as many as 500,000 kidney care patients. Their ability to use some really impressive data analytics has allowed them to develop clinical pathways that basically allow the, the physicians in that partnership to make the best decisions about how kidney care patients should be treated in a clinical pathway. And then I think maybe most excitingly, most impactfully, when we think about the rising cost of healthcare is there's a lot of technology that's supporting better self-care and preventative care. You know, at the retail level, that may be things like Whoop and Fitbit that can help people figure out how they're doing fitness-wise or sleep-wise, but there's a lot of similar technology that's being used to advance things around the category of preventative care rather than addressing it once disease has, has been diagnosed. Yeah, and Jane, I think on that note, you know, it all ties back to personalized care to deliver the right messages to the right patients at the right time or enabling a more convenient consumer-centric experience. From the consumer lens, I always go back to the Spotify and Netflix content examples. When I hop on my Spotify portal, you know, it'll tell me right away, here's a new episode of a Let's Talk Future podcast. Or when I go on Netflix... There are all these sports documentaries that are popping up. And I feel as though in healthcare, if there was a way to provide a more targeted response to a consumer, you probably do start seeing better outcomes and decision making by consumers. I also think that, you know, kind of going back to Mark's commentary on data analytics, driving better care decisions. Empowering physicians and making more data available in a physician's workflow, pretty important, especially as we think about how to reduce administrative spend leakage and the cost of care in this $4 trillion industry, if you will. And I feel as though we can't really have this podcast on that note without addressing generative AI and chat BT. Exactly. I was going to say, I hear data analytics and I immediately think of AI and chat GPT. So we're already seeing that as far as like productivity tools in your space, right? Rishi, can you spend just a couple minutes on AI and angle of things? Yeah, happy to. Look, I think people have been talking about AI and its ability to infiltrate or disrupt various industries for over a decade or so, especially in healthcare. Obviously, when we think about ChatGPT and generative AI and some of these large language models, a lot of testing still has to be done. But to your point, immediate use cases and reducing administrative redundancies and simplifying a physician's workflow are definitely ones that are being talked about and are already kind of in motion. I think about the Epic and Microsoft partnership where and now they have pilots at three different health systems, I believe, where they're using generative AI to draft a response or physician response when communicating asynchronously with 
patients and to source recommendations. There's a business, Hippocratic AI, which announced a $50 million seed round late last week, which is larger than usual for that stage, led by General Catalyst and A16Z or Andreessen. And I think that just goes to show you the attention that the space is garnering in healthcare. With Hippocratic AI, to kind of dovetail back to those points around administrative redundancies as the immediate term use case, now that company is focused on nine diagnostic tests, use cases like explaining benefits and billing, providing medication reminders, answering pre-op questions, all of which take up a huge chunk of administrative and physician time and burden. I think what's important to note, Jane, is the healthcare industry is still very legacy in terms of how information is transferred. If you've had to go to a new provider, you get that clipboard with the forms that include a HIPAA signature and things like that. That unfortunately is the state of healthcare largely today. There's a number of initiatives to convert all that to either a pre-visit virtual engagement and registration. And so we're making good headway, but the industry spent uh, tens of billions of dollars and well over a decade just converting uh, paper-based data repositories into an electronic format. A lot of that data has been sitting there in large repositories. It's unstructured data. There's incredible wealth of information about clinical pathways. The amount of discrepancy in different regions of the country about how different disease states or different acute procedures are treated is, is pretty remarkable. And, and so it, it is part of the reason that there's a wide range of outcomes. There's no, you know, whether it's a heart attack or how does, uh, diabetes is treated. And so some of the platforms and technologies that we're seeing today in their ability to structure that data, analyze it, really tell the story about, okay, this is the best path for an MCI. That's going to have an incredibly positive impact on the industry. Well, yeah. And let's stay on that because as you guys know, here on Let's Talk Future, we love talking about disruptors of legacy models. And that's very much what's, what's going on here. So let's talk about who are some of the major disruptors? Who are the, the players? I know big money is being spent. So let's, let's spend a couple minutes on the players. I think one of the major players that's going to disrupt healthcare are the big retailers. You know, the technology portion of that is highly differentiated. Every retailer has taken a different uh, approach around technology. So I don't feel like that's a technology forward incursion into legacy healthcare. But I can tell you from just some of the M&A activity, some of the partnerships that have been struck over the last three years and COVID, candidly, you mentioned that in the intro, COVID was a big catalyst for accelerating the use of some of these new technologies and clinical interactions. Uh, the retailers are going to make a significant incursion and I think, you know, candidly disrupt that traditional physician-patient relationship. And part of it is, and Risha, you mentioned this, their consumers are so used to uh, using a variety of mobile-based app platforms to do shopping, reservations, travel. You still don't have those same capabilities and levers uh, to engage in the healthcare system. And I think the retailers are going to have a big hand in accelerating that because retailers are used to convenience, they're used to access, 
And candidly, the, the legacy healthcare system really isn't set up to accommodate that type of interaction. And one of those big players, I read a lot about Amazon and the incursions that they're trying to make in the market. They're, they're spending some real money, right? They are. They acquired one of the more innovative primary care platforms called One Medical. I think it was last year. One Medical was a subscription or is a subscription-based primary care model. Very clean, modern Offices really appeal to a a generation of folks that are are used to having that mix of physical interaction with, you know, an app-based or app-supported experience. I think Amazon has very, you know, a very big vision about how that model can be expanded and employed. I think they view it akin to an Amazon Prime that you sign up and you pay a monthly fee and you know what your cost is. And, you know, if you're a loyal Amazon Prime customer like I am, you know that that what Amazon has done over a long period of time is continue to add services and and value added, you know, products under that membership. And I could see them taking the very same approach in healthcare. And Rishi, I know you're in the middle of more conversations with some private companies, PE, venture capital, a lot of money is being spent from that side as well into the healthcare market. Can you spend a couple minutes on your perspective of those players, private equity, venture capital, M&A is a big topic of discussion? Yeah, happy to. When I think about it at a high level, in the healthcare sector, private equity and VC deal growth grew at a nearly 30% annualized rate from 2014 to 2021. Granted, I know that you know data point is a couple years old, but when you think about how that compares to overall private equity and VC deals, which you know that growth rate was around two percent, I think that goes to show the interest and you know amount of investment that's pouring into this sector. You know, more specifically, there's a group called Rock Health, which provides funding data around you know digital health VC investments in the space and. You know, when you look at, despite all of the kind of market chatter that's been going on and market developments over the last couple of years, as folks anticipate rate hikes and what have you, you know, despite all that, digital health funding last year was roughly $15 billion. You know, this year could look closer to that number as well. And that's after $30 billion was invested in 2021. I think, Jane, you had alluded to it a little bit earlier as well. And we we're talking about big tech. You know, there are a lot of partnerships that started out um, in big tech. And the one big one that I can always think about is Microsoft and Nuance, which announced a partnership back in 2019. And Microsoft ended up acquiring Nuance or announcing its intention to acquire Nuance a couple years later. And, you know, why did that deal happen? Microsoft was looking to accelerate their own efforts in delivering new cloud and AI capabilities across healthcare. And, you know, short time later, Oracle decided they wanted to acquire Cerner. And, you know, in the news, you see press releases around their intention to cross-sell and upsell Oracle's existing technology to Cerner and vice versa. But reality is, it's it, it was a way to for Oracle to play in healthcare, and that intention was made all that more compelling by Microsoft's acquisition of Nuance. Right, and Google's in here too, right, guys? Yeah, uh, I think all of the big tech players have one investment or one way of looking at the sector or another. Uh, Mark alluded to Apple with its watch and wearables. Google acquired Fitbit 
obviously, you know, as they thought about data gathering and generation through a wearable device as well. And, you know, they have a big play in AI as well through Google Cloud. So, you know, I think we're going to see big tech in healthcare more and more. I think we've we probably hit on each of the big tech players in this podcast already. Okay, well, we are Let's Talk Future. So let's look ahead, shall we? I'd love to hear your thoughts about how you see the long-term opportunity in this new world of tech-enabled care delivery. You know, the current market environments is challenging. Capital markets is challenging, but let's go a little bit more long-term and, and get your thoughts there. I think some long-term perspective is, is invaluable here, Jane. I've been working in the industry for over three decades. When I started my career, there was no such thing as a national health insurer. Healthcare was incredibly local. Fast forward today, you know, the top 10 insurers control roughly half the members in the United States. It's an incredibly consolidated industry. And as Rishi mentioned, it's well over $4 trillion of annual revenue that flows through the industry. Even with 15 billion or 30 billion of investment capital committed in this period, we're talking about fairly small investments being made to try, to try to disrupt even just the information flow in the industry. The markets are not nearly as good as they were in 20 and 21, and that's part of the very natural evolution of how capital get, will get deployed and sponsored, what are really gonna become long-term technology development programs in this space. I compare it very, very simply. I think this is a, a comparison everybody can relate to. I can take my ATM card and I can go to any ATM in the world and I can get either an American currency because I have an American bank account or a local currency. You can't do that today in healthcare. And that's where the industry needs to catch up is that data transparency, that data fluidity. And so we're very much in early days of this tech incursion. And unfortunately, if you're a public company investor, there have been a round of public companies that came out in the last three or four years that might be focused on a single point solution or one particular tech program. And the public comps are down you know, over 50% today. That cycle is going to continue. The typical VC model, which is where a lot of these future winners are, are getting incubated and supported today, that model is a big, big portfolio of small investments and hopefully one or two work. Ideally, those ones that do work do get public and perform well or get sold to a big strategic. Um, that model is going to continue. The capital markets will come back. And, and so I think it's difficult to, to kind of pick the public company winners today. But overall, the opportunity set is really pretty incredible today. Um, so that, that part for us is exciting. Yeah, I think the long-term opportunity is definitely robust here when you think about a sector comprising roughly 20% of GDP. And, you know, as Mark alluded to, the ability for tech still, which is in its very early innings. I mean, all of us can relate to scheduling a doctor's appointment and how different that is still to this date compared to booking a reservation on OpenTable. So I think that opportunity is still there. And and Mark alluded to or hit on very briefly with the public companies that you know did go public in the last cycle. 
I'm personally pretty keen to see what the 2.0 versions look like uh, as we do start seeing an IPO market roar back. Um, when mentioned at a high level too, some of the Q1 2023 digital health companies that raised funding. And you know, one of those companies is Monogram Health, which provides in-home care for polychronic patients focused on kidney care. And when you think about the ability now, you know, moving away from just primary care focused asynchronous care delivery and you know digital health companies to now specialty which is a whole different arena like kidney care i think there is a lot of opportunity still to be had and i mean i think there are a lot of you know lessons learned if you will for the monogram healths of the world as they do look to ipo so definitely keen to see what the future looks like and definitely agree that the opportunity is still quite robust that's a, that's a great point. I would I just would love to dovetail on that because I think the the macro trends are a bit daunting. Rishi mentioned today as a as an economy or in a country we spend twenty percent of our GDP on the healthcare industry. A very significant portion of that is spent on the sickest ten percent of the patients in the system, and so. Innovative preventative care, uh, there's a much longer return on investment for those initiatives. But if we have, if we start seeing some of those uh, chronic disease condition focused platforms gain capital support and really do well, that's going to that's gonna really have a incredibly positive impact on, on the system and the cost curve for Medicare and Medicaid. Well, it's all super interesting, and I think we've done it from collision to disruption to innovation to opportunity. That's an arc that we love to talk about. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise today. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.